Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome, everyone, to the Highly Relevant Podcast. My name is Jack Rico, and this is episode 20 that you've just downloaded. It's also going to be a little bit of a lighter version of our usual podcast as we focus on filmmaker Gore Verbinski. He has a new movie called A Cure for Wellness starring Dane DeHaan and Jason Isaacs. If you like psychological thrillers, then you're going to want to listen to this episode. Filmmaker Gore Verbinski won an Academy Award for the cerebral and highbrow animated film Rango, one of my favorites, and has enjoyed tremendous success as the director of the Hollywood blockbuster franchise Pirates of the Caribbean. But it's his latest psychological thriller, A Cure for Wellness, that has many people remembering his earlier acclaimed remake of The Ring. Have a listen. There is a sickness inside us. Rising like the bile that leaves that bitter taste at the back of our throats. It's there in every one of you seated around the table. Only when we know what ails us can we hope to find the cure. What do you make of that? Clearly he's lost his mind. Our thoughts exactly. I'd like you to go to Switzerland and bring Mr. Pembroke back to us. What we offer here is a process of purification away from the pressures of the modern world. You plan to take Mr. Pembroke back with you? Is that a problem? Gore Verbinski, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Explain to us, what is Cure for Wellness about and why did you need to make this psychological thriller? Well, we were really just... uh Toying with this idea of taking the the wellness center, the, the place of you know um, tranquility and, and a place that is seemingly benign, and and really corrupting it. It seemed like it was ripe for for you know turning it on its head, and um, and that sort of led to well, what if this was a uh, a spa in the Alps that you know had been there for a long time and and, and was sort of had its own deep dark secrets, but is also you know, looking down on modern man and, and offering a diagnosis. There are some really interesting points that I see you trying to get across here. Perhaps the most salient one for me was this psychological undressing of the corporate America man. Well, I think that's really, you know, the setup. I mean, the, the film is very much a kind of contemporary gothic. And I think, you know, to, um, you know, it certainly deals in the macabre, but uh, also... You know, I didn't want to have sort of when curtain closes, you're kind of um, leaving the film behind. Something has to resonate, and that is the sort of modern man aspect of it. And 
and we're we're playing with this idea that you know um, diagnosis is a form of absolution right you you're not responsible because you're not well you have a you have a note from your doctor sort of letting you off the hook and working backwards from there, you kind of ask the question well who is who's vulnerable to that and um I think you know we imagined a place where this oligarchs and heads of industry and our character. Um, played by Dane DeHaan, uh, Lockhart, who's a stockbroker, willing to do whatever it takes to succeed. That you know he, they might be vulnerable to to this this diagnosis, and that's the sort of opiate. That's the kind of phase one or the lotus eaters of this place is is that feeling that yeah, there's there is something wrong with me, and and you know I've kind of always known that uh, deep down inside. There's a sense of denial. I've always imagined if you kept going further into the steam room, you might bump into Dick Cheney wrapped in a towel. <laughs> um, you wrote the story. Was there anything in particular in your own life experience that served as a motif for this film? Was there something you were unhappy with? Did you see something of maybe perhaps a friend or maybe the movie industry that you just felt like you needed to sort of insert into this movie? Jack, that's a good question. I mean, I suppose, you know, we all have any, any time you would, you know, you, with any achievement, I suppose there's some sense of guilt. I certainly, when I make a movie, I'm away from my family for a very long period of time. And, um, and I think that, you know, a, a, a sort of cult of personality, a kind of, um, you know, the, the, this, this director Volmer is a, is a kind man. He's a man who's, sort of can put his hand on your knee and say, you know, he's concerned. When was the last time you felt well? And are you sleeping through the night? And there's something that makes us vulnerable to that. Um, I certainly remember being a kid and and being called to the principal's office and my defenses were, were up and I knew I was right and I was going <laughs> to I was gonna defend my position, you know, and the door closes and and he just asks, you know, is everything okay at home? And you, you just start crying. You right. know, it's like you can't help yourself. There's that sense of that figure of authority. So, and but but again, that's just the setup. I mean, once you're in, we start to, you know, we find out the the history of this place and the and the, and the, you know the, the sort of the, there's something very H.P. Lovecraft about you the, the unknowable and and the sort of madness you're, that's going to occur in trying to to know the unknown and. And as Lockhart gets closer to the truth and the sort of darkness of this place, he starts to lose his grasp on reality. You know, the movie is very effective with its drama and its tension, but I feel like there's so many movies, so many psychological thrillers that are released every single year, and maybe one or two get it right. What is so hard about making a psychological thriller? At least, at, at least one that is satisfying to the crowd. You know... Uh, I don't think our movie is sort of immediately reducible. There are certainly psychological elements to it. There's also um, something very macabre going on. And I, I think of the movie as kind of really two worlds. Um, at the end of this film, Lockhart and Hannah sort of belong to, to neither world. And um, there's certainly uh, a sense of, as he gets closer to this, this castle, this sort of sanitarium in the Alps, he's 
he's kind of leaving the waking state and he's uh, entering a sort of dream logic. I mean, his, you know, his devices stop working, his, his cell phone stops, his watch stops. He's kind of out of bounds somehow. So you get to, you get to kind of, um, you get to work with enigma and, and, and kind of allow the audience to connect things with it in the, in the way they might do when they're, when they're in a dream. Um, and that, that requires less exposition. You just, you, you sense that things are connected somehow. So, um, it's very fragile. I mean, you're, you're, you're spell casting. I read an interview where you said that this movie isn't for everybody. So then exactly who is this movie for? Well, don't bring your kids. <laughs> okay. That's a definite. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I think, I think so often now we, we, we go to movies knowing so much about what's going to happen. We'd the either, trailer tells us, the commercials, the TV yeah, spots. It's either something that's sort of immediately reducible and, and uh, you know, on, on the one hand, or, you know, we've been to the theme park or we've, we've played the video game or we know the graphic novel or, or the toy, whatever it is. We know so much about the movies we're going to see. And I think really this is for the, the people who kind of remember what it was like to, to go to a movie theater and, and to not know anything about what's going to happen. Um, I remember seeing, not I remember seeing a lot of movies that were inappropriate for my age, <laughs> but you know, the, I, I think I saw The Exorcist when I was too young. Oh yeah, well I think every was, kid saw that and was immediately scarred. I Put me in oh, that category. Devastating. I did want to ask you about your stage at this career as a director. Are you making movies for the sole reason of making the crowd escape into a world that you want them to on a business level, you know, the studio's telling you what they want, or is your responsibility as a director at this point to kind of make more of a socially conscious film where there's messages and subliminal points that you're trying to make? Wow, that's a profound question. Um, I think it's really, for me, it's about trying to get to that boundary of of you're not quite sure this is going to work, or certainly... Um, it's not supposed to. I mean, um, you know, when everybody thought we were crazy to, to try to make a pirate movie, and then we were told, you know, you don't know how to make an animated movie. And, um, you know, this is certainly the case of of trying to, you know, it, you know, the data says don't make a movie like this. Um, and all of those things just make it more interesting. You know, you sort of run at the you run at the issue and you, and you kind of, you want to be on that, that boundary of the unknown. I mean, probably the scariest thing for me was making the the second and third pirates because, you know, one day when the, when, when I realized the studio's not nervous anymore, you know, they're sort of, they're saying, just keep doing that thing you're doing. And, and you're kind of horrified because you're prior to pigeonholed to a certain extent. Well, no, prior to that, there was nothing but fear, you know, because it was unknown, right? It wasn't supposed to work. And um, that's where the joy is, right? It's, you know, it's, these are opportunities to learn. You can catch Gore Verbitsky's Cure for Wellness in theaters this Friday. Gore, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks, Jack.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.